0: Welcome to Clean Up on Isle Fun, the podcast about reviewing grocery stores that nobody asked for. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? Might not be morning for you, it's morning for me. I'm recording this in the morning, taking advantage of that morning voice. Also, that's just how how the cookie crumbled this week. Uh, so today I'm going to be talking about a trip that I took to the Dean and DeLuca in Soho. Dana DeLuca, if you've um if you've never heard of it, is a sort of upscale grocery store slash special specialty foods market. Um mostly the only ones I've seen are in New York City, but I I I've come to find out through a little bit of research that they exist in other places around the world. Uh here's how I settled on this particular location in this particular chain. I had I had them on, like, the short list of places that I wanted to visit. And I've never, I don't think I've ever actually been in one, but I had a very specific idea of what it was. And here's where I have to admit uh, a little bit of journalistic, if you, well, I, I, I could, I don't think I could call what I do journalism. Uh, but a little bit of bias in whatever it is that I'm doing here. I thought of it as like kind of a snooty sort of uh you know place where you know rich people with too much money to spend on figs would go to buy their groceries. And at the you know and that and so when I picked picked the specific location I was looking to kind of take a bite out of the uh out of the upper class and because I am a bundle of contradictions I I picked the one in Soho because it was close to a French restaurant that I was going to be eating dinner at with my family afterwards. So, you know, uh, who am I to to cast stones? Uh we wound up not eating at the French restaurant, by the way. Uh, plans plans changed. Um, but those involved know what happened. Uh so I I pick I picked this one in Soho uh in, initially for that reason, and as I googled it to find the location, uh this article came up of David Bowie's favorite places to eat in New York, which struck my curiosity. So I read it, and the article was talking about how when he was living in New York, and he he and Iman, well, why don't I just read the the article? So this was published in uh, AM New York, uh com. I'm not sure what sort of a, a website or publication this is, but currently the top eating and drinking stories uh, are oysters to air hockey, 17 cheap thrills, and You asked for it, right? Enter the Nutella cafe. Anyway, this was published uh, January 9th, 2018 So uh, Wednesday marks the second anniversary of rock legend David Bowie's death. The musician died at age 69 of cancer New York was the London-born Bowie's adopted home at the time. The songwriter and his supermodel wife Iman purchased two adjoining penthouses at 285 Lafayette Street in Soho in 1999. Like every New Yorker, he developed dining routines in his neighborhood, familiar restaurants, shops, and cafes he'd return to on a regular basis for the eats and the service and the ambiance. I added an and in there. I don't want to misrepresent. Whereas the Starman's onstage personas, Ziggy Stardust, Aladdin Sane, the Thin White Duke, and all the others that reminded us it's okay to be a weirdo, tended toward the dramatic and the flamboyant, his tastes in food were relatively simple. It's okay to be a weirdo, everybody. Ziggy Stardust told me so. Uh, so that th- goes on to list um, places that he'd like to eat. A recurring theme, uh, you know, they have olives on there, Cafe Reggio. They're, they always mention, like, what sandwich he likes i don't know if he was just a sandwich fiend or something but uh they're like oh yeah he would go here get a grilled chicken sandwich and on focaccia uh and then at this coffee shop he was you know he was he would get uh you know a cappuccino and oh, a sandwich as well and then uh what do they have here uh, he would get a you know another cappuccino and a a, a donut uh but a, a prosciutto sandwich as well but anyway They mention the Dean and DeLuca in Soho. They say, Bowie was known to do his weekly grocery shopping at the Dean and DeLuca in Soho, a location with ceiling high windows looking out onto the corner of Broadway and Prince Street. Stop by at lunchtime for a soup and sandwich combo (laughs) like New England clam chowder and the house Cubano or sushi from the counter in the back. You'll be extremely tempted by the pastry counter just to the left of the entrance, stocked with everything from donuts to South American alfajores or alfajores. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. If you're actually intent on stocking up on high-end cheeses, cured meats, condiments, and more, resist until you've filled your basket, and then it gives the address. So now I had a a little bit of um an extra layer to add to this, and and you know maybe because I uh, he's a a musician that I love, I sort of reconsidered my initial uh jerkish attempt to uh, you know tear this place down, and you know I don't want to be. Uh, would it be like reverse classist or classist? Just generally speaking, I don't want to shame people for shopping at uh, Dean and DeLuca. If you can afford some of the exorbitant prices that they have at this place, you know who am I to tell you how to spend your money? If I was David Bowie, I'd probably shop there too. It's also it's in his neighborhood. What can, you know? What can I say? So um, I was listening to David Bowie music as I you know journeyed over. To Soho, a, an interesting thing that I've I uh, have sort of taken on recently. Periodically, I will uh, sort of do a musical inventory of like uh, artists or bands that I maybe have a cursory knowledge of or a very a very limited part of their catalog. That i listen to regularly and i'll try and listen to everything that they've put out to sort of figure out where i stand like am i a greatest hits fan am i a fan of some of these specific albums or or what have you and uh i've always loved like i've always loved bowie's hits and such uh and you know when i was like 13 years old and learning how to play the guitar uh, the riff from ziggy stardust was one of the first riffs that my guitar teacher taught me and i remember playing I specifically remember playing it for the first time and it was sort of like that mind-blowing moment of like wow I can I can make something that sounds like a like a cool song that I heard because up until that point all I had done is play piano and I was really bored with that uh so I was like I was like a greatest hits Bowie fan for years and I would listen to like Ziggy Stardust and Station to Station oddly were like the only two albums that I listened to and recently I was like I got to do the deep dive so I I haven't been going in chronological order, but I've been listening to a lot of the Berlin trilogy for the last couple of weeks. And it's a sort of bittersweet thing of like, uh, wow, I didn't realize this w- was here the whole time. I could have been enjoying this music <laughs> for years. But uh, also nice that now I know that and I can continue to enjoy it and have, uh, you know, really have fun digging into everything. Oh, Diamond Dogs. I'm listening to Diamond Dogs as well. That's what I was listening to on the way here. Uh, thinking maybe I'll maybe I'll stop by his house um and uh you know, take a look, pay homage. Uh, you know, I'll uh run down the street while uh modern love is playing and it'll all be in, in black and white, like the scene in Francis Ha. And then I'll trip. Someone'll come to help me up and I'll I'll hold up my phone to show what song is playing. They're like, Got it, you're doing a Francis Ha, and then let me Go along my way. I didn't. I didn't wind up doing that. I didn't have the time. So I go to this Dean and Deluca, and you know the it is as they described in this this article. Uh, this big uh, floor to ceiling windows, uh, cavernous cavernous roof. It's like um, to say the structure and the layout. I, I I kind of liked. It's very simple. It's just basically one. It's a big rectangle. Is how it is. There's not a ton of twists and turns. They don't have big carts or anything like that. They have like the the smaller carts that are like the double-decker ones and baskets, of course, cuz I don't think people are necessarily doing bulk shopping here. In fact, I'm I was a little surprised at um well, maybe not surprised, but they said in, they said in this AM New York article that he would do his weekly grocery shopping here, and I would find it hard to do my weekly grocery shopping just here unless I cut a lot of things out of my diet. Like, I don't think I saw a breakfast cereal there or an oatmeal. Not that I'm eating oatmeal all the time, but that's just something that you would expect to find in a grocery store. Maybe it was there and I just didn't see it. But, um, yeah, there was a lot of uh, basic, some basic things that they didn't have. I think this does lean more towards the, the end of the specialty foods spectrum than a straight-up grocery store. So, that, that, I, I kind of quickly established that for myself, and I uh, tried to reframe everything that I was taking in through that lens. So, as you walk in, like every other grocery store, so points for this, your produce is right there. You're starting with, starting with your produce. Now, everything here looked great. It wasn't a huge section, but I was very impressed with some very specific and maybe a little more obscure things that they had. Uh, and I'm gonna post pictures of, of some of this stuff because it was really cool looking, but uh, in the, the, the first little display, they had like apples on one side and the other side. Wow, what a a, a, a great array of citrus. They had this uh, thing that I don't think, I don't know if I'd seen before, or maybe it had been, been a while, but it's called a Buddha's hand. And it's uh, otherwise known as Citrus Medica, or Sarcodactylus, uh, or the fingered citron. And according to Wikipedia, it is an unusually shaped citron variety whose fruit is segmented into finger-like sections resembling those seen on representations of Buddha. Um, which I don't know how accurate that is because these things look like they were uh, like, a, like a hand cut off of like an evil witch uh, or some sort of gnarled old crone. In a Grimm's fairy tale, uh, and I, I, I can speak to that with some authority, having read a number of Grimm's fairy tales and looked upon many images of Buddha. Um, but they call it, they call it the Buddha's hand. Uh, it, so it's like a it's like a yellow. How could I best describe this? Hmm. There's sort of like a at the base of it, uh, like a knob, and then things that they they almost look they. Uh, They look like thin peppers, almost without the stems, and they all come out from this central little knob, and they kind of bend in different directions. This this, it's like a bumpy skin. Uh, It's I mean it's kind of gross looking. uh, At least within it doesn't look like something that you would want to eat. Uh, But the uh, what. Wikipedia also tells us that the different cultivars and variations of the citrone variety from a gradient known as open hand types uh, with outwards blade segments to closed hand types in which the fingers are kept together. There are also there are also half fingered fruits in which the basal side is united to the apical side fingered. Am I reading porn right now? What is this? The origin of this kind of citrone is commonly traced back to the far east, probably northeastern India or China, where most domesticated citrus fruits uh, originate. Boy, we are struggling today. Now, use-wise, I don't think you're supposed to eat it a ton. It says, The Buddha's hand fruit is uh, very fragrant and is used predominantly in China, Malaysia, and Japan for perfuming rooms and personal items such as clothing. May also be given as a religious offering in Buddhist temples. According to tradition, Buddha prefers the fingers of the fruit to be in a position where they resemble a closed rather than an opened hand, as closed hands symbolize to Buddha the act of prayer. In China, the Buddha's hand is uh, hand fruit is a symbol of happiness, longevity, and good fortune. It is also a traditional temper offering and a New Year's gift. It's um, used for ornamentation, but uh, food seems to be the the least uh, common use. For this stuff it says, unlike other citrus fruits, most variety of Buddha's hand fruit contain no pulp or juice. Though esteemed chiefly for its exquisite form and aroma, the Buddha's hand fruit can also be eaten, often as a zest of flavoring in desserts, uh, a zest or flavoring. My apologies. In desserts, savory dishes, and alcoholic beverages such as vodka, or candied as a sweet. The sliced dried peel of immature fruit is also described as a tonic in traditional medicine well isn't that fun and fancy uh i i've never i i don't think i've seen a buddha's hand in uh any of the other stores that i've been to here i know they are available in certain uh produce sections depending on where you go the other thing i noticed at this point was uh, so the the citrus is next to uh the, they they had these two big baskets uh filled with um bunches of grapes both red and green or red and white and I saw I guess this it had never occurred to me that this is something that people do which is bananas because it's very common uh this woman was looking at the grapes and she just picked one and ate it She was grazing and I'm like oh oh yeah these are out in the open this was probably the kind of place where I can I can taste I could taste test some of these. So I go and I grab a I grabbed a green grape, and sure enough, one of these one of these bunches was like completely stripped clean. People were people were sampling and snacking all the ding dong day. It was a little later in the evening. Well, not in the ev- in the evening. It was early evening. Later in the afternoon. It was about it was about five o'clock. Um, so categorize that however you will. And so at that point in the day. A lot of these grapes are gone. So if you're buying grapes at Dean and DeLuca, you gotta, you might have to dig a little bit to find one that people haven't been picking apart. I'd like to imagine that when he was still with us, uh, if Bo- Bowie comes into the store, that he would, he would be sampling the Buddha's hand. He would probably, uh, he, could, he could get away with that. Everybody else is just eating grapes, but he picks one of the fingers off of the, those weird little fruits and pops it in his mouth. He could pull it off. None of us could. Anyway, back to the re- so the rest of the citrus. They had a bag of key limes in the uh, the citrus section. These might these might exist elsewhere. I had never seen them before. They were prominently displayed, and the little uh, idea was put into my head that I could, I should learn how to make a key lime pie if I I could buy these key limes, make myself a pie. Uh, I've never made a key lime pie before. Never thought that was really a possibility or even within my potential wheelhouse but uh, the good folks at Dean and Deluca have opened that door for me at least a little bit that the door is open just a crack ever so slightly so moving on from that to the rest of the uh, the produce section in and the there was a case uh, along the wall that had uh, more veg it was vegetables and the selection here again was was pretty great they had some stuff that I don't see elsewhere they had parsnips I've uh I've, I I don't I you know I don't uh engage with parsnips perhaps as much as I should. They're a, a fine companion to the carrot, and I love a roasted carrot. Throw a couple parsnips in with those carrots, why don't you? Uh, now it's a party. Uh, but next to the parsnips, they had you know some broccolini, which is always great. They had watermelon radishes. I had forgotten about watermelon radishes. Uh, which I've only had fleeting dalliances with as far as uh, vegetables go, because it's really only been in the last couple years that I've really gotten down with beets and radishes and these things that come out of the ground uh, like that. Um, If you haven't had a watermelon radish, I can nary think of a prettier vegetable, at least on the inside. Uh, You know, the exterior looks like a, well, looks like a radish, but you cut that bad boy open and what a, a beautiful, beautiful color inside. Slice them thin. Goes great on a salad. I'm sure you could uh, bake them into crisps or something. Uh, I, oh, it, it, was, it, it was heartwarming to, to see. It was like running into an old friend. Uh, I may as well have been running into an old friend at this grocery store. They had, you know, some handsome looking zucchinis and cucumbers and yellow squash Asparagus, both green and white. You don't see a lot of white asparagus, especially not fresh. But there it was, looking good as hell. So, produce, I have to say, you know, maybe these prices are a little high, but I, I, overall, was very impressed. Uh, For not a lot of physical real estate within the store, they have a great selection, everything looked good. Deli- like perfectly crisp and nice and uh, uh, good and not genetic. Well, I've, you know, genetically modified. And I don't want to cast too many dispersions for all GMOs. I'm sure there are some instances in which we can engineer vegetables to grow that are in a way that's. Who am I, Who am I trying to please with this little tangent? If you like GMOs, Fine. If you don't, they. I don't think any of these have them. It's not up to me. It's not up to me to make that okay for everybody. Uh. So moving on from that, can you tell I had good therapy this week, giving myself a little pep talk about how I don't need to manage everybody else's emotions. Uh. Moving on from that, we had. Uh, this is okay. This is where things start to get a little hinky for me. They had some holiday baked goods, which well-trod territory too early. It's not Thanksgiving yet. But they had tin, like tins of cookies and baking kits. And these were eh, p- pretty exorbitantly priced as far as I'm concerned. Eh, I uh, And And I don't know where to, where to lay the blame here. I think I would, you know, if you're buying this stuff, I don't want to judge you. I think I would place the blame on Dean and DeLuca for, you know, taking advantage of people who maybe have lost touch with how much these things should cost. $40 for a gingerbread person kit? It's not even a gingerbread house. Gingerbread person kit there's a tin of uh what are these called pepper kakor which are swedish gingerbread cookies uh i mean it's like 35 bucks for what looks to not be a ton of cookies for half half the price of that you could acquire the materials to make like three times as many cookies on your own maybe that's my yankee thrift i don't know but uh I I I was I was really raising my eyebrows at some of this, but you know I I just clocked it and moved on into uh, a very you know nicely organized little little dairy section. They had so many nut milks and they're busting out the eggnog already. Oh boy! Um, but you know you had your typical milks. I, I will say the the um the lowest quality brand of butter that they had was Kerrygold Irish, and that's a decent butter. It's the um it's the one that I use, and I consider it a slight indulgence. Um I, you know, I am in such a position you know, I, I'm i a single man. I don't have uh any dependence. I can spend a little extra on butter if I so choose. And and I do choose to do so because uh Kerrygold is great. We're looking for a sponsorship from Kerrygold, by the way. Uh, Lump that in with RX Bar and Talenti, which I should take a second to talk about them because uh, you know I feel like every other episode I'm spouting off about how I want to be sponsored and get free free shit from uh, companies. RX, I I had I tried a chocolate hazelnut RX Bar this last week, and I had purchased it maybe two weeks before, and it had been sitting in my backpack, and it was pretty. It held up. It was really tasty, still fresh. Um yeah it was delicious. I feel like that might be my default. Uh my default flavor from now on. Uh Talenti was represented at Dean and Deluca which was a, a a big plus. I haven't had Talenti in like the last week though, but uh I'm also still riding off the high of that ample hills creamery. Ample Hills if you're out there if you're listening. Uh I am also a Brooklyn-based business. Let's talk. I love your cream. What was I what was I sounding off about? Oh, Kerrygold Irish butter. Great. So, uh yeah, no no complaints here in the dairy section. You know, it's perfectly good stuff. Now next to the dairy was some frozen foods. They had some prepared foods. Again, this is where I have to sort of dock some points from Old Dean and Deluca. They had a pre-made sausage sausage quiche that you would like throw in the oven to heat up. This thing is $38. Are you like you could buy the you could buy the nicest eggs you could buy the nicest sausage and it would still like be such a like significantly it would be significantly less money than that and even if you're gonna I don't know if you're gonna and maybe maybe you're if you're gonna buy a pre-made thing because you don't have the time or it's like an easy thing you're having a brunch and you want to just throw it in the oven that's fine but you can do better than this thirty-eight dollar quiche my God. Um, maybe, I guess maybe David Bowie can afford that. Uh, he can throw away 38 bucks on a, you know, breakfast pie without thinking twice about it. Anyway, uh, moving on from that, uh, they, so the, the way the store's organized, so, so it's like in this rectangle and along the one wall and then like in the middle, there are certain little stands that, uh, have, you know, there's like, the meat counter, obviously, and, like, a cheese section, a little bakery place, and espresso bar. And some of these confections that they had in... I don't know if this would be considered, like, the bakery area because there was, like, a separate thing for bread, but they, there was one specifically for, like, little chocolates and confections, and some of these were very handsome-looking, um, with, like, little champagne ganache and, uh, and whatnot. But they had these little marzipan uh, animals... Um, Wasn't a ton left at this point in the day Uh, On one Little uh, Tray they had uh, 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 Oh they're all holding pumpkins i noticed there's a tiny little frog Who looks like he doesn't have eyeballs He's holding a pumpkin blindly He looks sad and grim A little owl Holding a pumpkin as well Um, I think this might be a dog Yeah it looks to be like a little terrier Now the dog isn't holding The pumpkin uh he he has it somehow attached to his collar uh which seems a bit odd to me uh and then there's a a cute little turtle the the cutest little turtle with a and he's got the pumpkin it's on his shell, he's just crawling along he's got a pumpkin on his shell now, why the frog and the owl seem to possess the dexterity to hold the pumpkin in their um either wings or hands and yet the 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 dog and the frog do not i'm not sure who made that call maybe it's maybe it's a purely aesthetic thing because i'll be i'll be honest i mean the, the frog looks weird but the owl holding the pumpkin is adorable and the little doggy with the pumpkin around his collar is really cute as well. And I I mean my heart is full to bursting looking at this tiny little turtle. Um where do you where could he be going with that pumpkin? Maybe he's going to a little Thanksgiving uh get together and you know, he brought that for the pie and he's like, I'm sorry, I'm a turtle, I can't bake, but I grew this pumpkin. Um, I've been watering it all summer in preparation for this event uh, i put a lot of time and effort and care into this the growth of this gourd cuz i'm a i'm a i'm a turtle i have I've, I've got nothing but time and then here's an interesting development so the, there's this tray with all these little pumpkin holding animals and then a separate tray next to it is one lonely whale with no pumpkin <laughs> Um. Now the, the, the subtle distinctions here, I'm not sure Because the tray of pumpkin-holding animals this says seasonal marzipan you, Damn straight they're seasonal I would pitch a fit if I saw these little guys holding a pumpkin in the spring Are you kidding me? These are $14 a piece now you, you, there's a lot of craftsmanship that goes into these. Now, next to it says Rebecca Russell marzipan animal. I'm assuming Rebecca Russell is the uh confectioner. Would that be the proper term for someone who makes marzipan? Um marzipanist? I don't know if it would be a baker. But uh Rebecca good work, but uh these are these are 10 a piece. Is that because uh, what's 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 the difference? Obviously the one seasonal one is not it, it, is the fact that this little owl hold is holding a pumpkin that necessitates him being four, an additional $4. You're paying $4 for a marzipan pumpkin. There's more detail, I think, in some of these um, other, in these pumpkin-holding animals. Though, again, the, the frog does not have eyeballs, and he looks a little, he looks a little, he, God, he looks grim. Um... And the wh- the whale is maybe a little more simple in design, so maybe that's it. maybe that's why uh but it's it, he looks he looks so sad he's just he's just by himself, and again, this is later in the day, so maybe the whale had more friends uh earlier that they everybody scooped up um marzipan doesn't taste great. That's all I have to say about that so next to uh this little display they had they had some bulk candy um in these big jars and uh, an interesting selection here. They had a lot of your basics, but they had, they had like gummy worms and stuff, but they had gummy robots, uh, which I've never purchased before or even seen. Uh, they had some of your standard gummy bears, sour gummy worms, but they had uh, Prosecco gummy bears, which is just about the most Dean and DeLuca thing that I think you could purchase at Dean and Deluca, fourteen dollars a pound, no no less. So, hey, smoke them if you got them, I guess. So, uh, there's the the this little confection stand next to the like the little bread table, uh, with I mean so many great looking loaves of bread. Um, I I have no doubt that uh, these are some high quality loaves and probably worth every penny next is the meat counter and who mama do these steaks look good um slash all the other meat products that they had Uh, i have pictures of this but they have a a a crown like a, a crown roast with like some lemons shoved in there for display it looks great the, the lamb chops are of, of a uh, delightful pigmentation, along with this, this Berkshire pork rib chop next to it. Oh my. They had uh, some dry aged uh, shell and dry aged porterhouse uh, up there. It looks, I mean, it looks a little gross, but I'm sure it tastes uh, tastes great. Oh boy, the, all of the, uh, the 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 strip steaks, bone in, bone out, the beef tenderloin, everything just looks looks so so good. Uh so mean is next to the fish and the fish is similarly beautiful looking. I mean the 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 color of this king salmon is terrific. Arctic char's in there. Uh they had yeah, they had great selection. I don't know if I see arctic char everywhere. Maybe I'm not looking uh, looking close enough, uh, for it, uh, Chilean sea bass. I feel like that might be a bit co- more common. Um, black cop fillet. Uh, they had oh, uh, some lemon sole. Uh, some mahi mahi, some cod. They had baby octopus. I don't know if you've ever had baby octopus. Um, but I had a baby octopus dish at a place called. Pig and cow in the East Village, and it's it was it was tremendous. They were like sauteed or something, I don't know. But when when if you visualize a baby octopus, it's exactly what you are thinking of. It's just like an octopus, but very very small. Uh and you just pop those little suckers right in your mouth, uh, and they're they're pretty tasty. In keeping with the octopus theme, I move into the dry goods section, and they had some prepared like. Kits that you could make, like by and by the rice and whatnot, and it had an octopus paella that uh, is cholesterol free, and you just need to add water according to this uh, to this signage. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't. Where else am I going to find that? That was that's pretty cool. Um, everything is organized well, and there's good selection. But again, missing some some what I would consider to be basic items as far as uh, grocery shopping goes. But if you need like a nice you know, pasta, you can get a good dry pasta there. Towards the back, they had uh, a little section with like Dean and DeLuca aprons and coffee mugs. These are some good looking mugs, uh, as well as cookbooks that you could buy, everything from Julia Child to uh, some modern chef. Uh, The sushi counter is also back here. That was mentioned in the David Bowie article. Nobody at the sushi counter I think they had shut down for the day, which seems strange to me because this was right around dinner time. And uh, I, you know, while I I don't know that I would necessarily do all of my grocery shopping in a place like this, I would definitely keep Dean and DeLuca in mind as a place to like go grab a quick um, something to eat, you know, at the end of the day, if I was looking to grab like a, like a quick and easy dinner, I might, you know, I would definitely consider stopping at the sushi counter and maybe grabbing you know, uh, some nice milk <laughs> for myself for later in the week. Um, so I was uh, I was a little surprised to see that, that the station was unmanned. Uh, maybe it's just a lunchtime thing, but you, you should, you know, for a, a place that kind of leans into the cafe element of things because there was ample seating. Uh, it seemed to be encouraged for people to, you know, maybe grab a quick bite to eat, wrap up with a, you know, a little pastry and an espresso and, you know, uh, hang out a little bit. It seems like a bit of an oversight to not have uh, sushi there. They had, they did have, you know, some of the sushi that had already been made in the, you know, in a case there. But that's not the same. Sometimes you want the experience of having uh, the person make it in front of you. So, working my way around, so now I'm heading back towards the front, uh, to the little um, specialty sections along that side of the store. And they had, this is, uh, we're getting into some of the cured meats and uh, like deli meat section, which uh, really revs my engine as far as any place goes. Um, I need to talk about uh, this for a second. Something caught my eye in the display case here. Next to the salamis and whatnot, there's this thing called uh, a Delaware Fireball and what i was looking at was a uh like a ball of like marbled meat that uh caught my eye like i i was like um like bugs bunny in a in an old cartoon when he would see like a beautiful woman like my eyes just bugged out of my head and i tur- you know my head turned into like a howling wolf for a second i didn't even touch it i i was so intimidated by this thing and the picture I took the lighting is not great and it does not do it justice but I was like I need to find out everything I can about the Delaware Fireball and I uh, looked it up and it does not disappoint check this shit out the Delaware Fireball is a uh, crepinette salami of pork with red chilies and espalette pepper wrapped by hand in call fat and cold smoked for days in our gravity-fed smoker before fermentation and aging. About five ounces each. It is so named. Uh, it, the The producer of this is Smoking Goose. Um, what 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 do they call themselves? Smoke. Uh, I guess Smoking Goose Foods or something. Uh, but it's named after their first uh, their first address. The, their first location was on the corner of 25th and Delaware Street. It says, Serving Suggestions. Easy to slice by hand with a chef's knife, this crepinette, round and encased salami, adds spice to charcuterie boards. Highlight the smoke and balance of the spiciness with dried figs or preserved peaches. Riff on buffalo wings by serving a slice of Delaware Fireball topped with a dollop of romesco or pimento sauce and a chunk of blue cheese. Uh, I am salivating, and I am fully aroused describing this. I mean, the pictures they have are, oh my god. We, we all understand that I, I love a cured meat. Um, I mean, I haven't, I ha, I gotta, I, I should have bought one of these things. I gotta, I gotta get my hands on a Delaware Fireball. Um, I will give it the taste test but I'm going to give it a preemptive bravo to the good people at Smoking Goose. Uh wow, I mean this thing was impressive. And this this is in a, you know, in a case with a bunch of other you know, great looking cured meats. They also had some uh some like like a, a, a like a full thing of um smoked bacon but like not it wasn't cut yet and that was that was pretty sexy as well. Uh and this is also next to like some more packaged foods where they had some some canned fish like some very uh you know uh some bonito that I I don't I don't see most places um I don't I'm not a big you know fan of it personally but I was impressed that they had it they also had um just i mean <sighs> between the Delaware Fireball and like octopus paella and then this thing it's just like Dean and DeLuca just seems to be a magical place with strange items they are the exclusive carrier of the Williams Family Kitchen no-no sauce now this is a uh, Williams Family Kitchen is a line of food products based on the recipes of Pharrell Williams's father uh well I don't know if it's specifically his, just like if it's exclusively his father the barbecue sauce was his father's recipe but I guess the rest of the food products that they have are um from the rest of his family but it says based on the recipes of Pharrell Williams's father Faro the Williams family kitchen brings you their signature no no sauce just in time for barbecue season. From their Virginia Beach kitchen, this flavorful sauce is a, a must-have for grilling and glazing any meat, seafood, or vegetable, and is great for marinades, dressing, and basting. Uh, uh, the article that I read about it said that uh, it is so named because if you ask what's in it, they'll say no, no. Um, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe Pharrell Williams comes from a, like a family of uh, chefs. It said based out of their Virginia Beach kitchen. I don't know if that means like they're, that's they're, like their home, or if you know maybe his family's in the restaurant biz. If that's so, that adds another interesting layer to um, a very interesting figure in music and pop culture over the last couple of years. So, uh, I mean, good for you, Pharrell Williams, and uh, the other people at the the Williams Kitchen. Uh, let me take a look and see if uh, they have other other food products. Um, it would seem as of now they are limited to the uh, to the no no sauce. So, well, you know, that's that's one more barbecue sauce than I make. So. What the hell do I know? so at this point, uh all that's left is like the espresso bar, which looked great, looked like you could get a good uh shot of the hot brown there but that that's basically it for the store, so I guess to sort of sum things up so uh this this by the way is the the flagship location um I maybe should have given some of this history earlier, but you know this. So the store was started by a school teacher turned cheese merchant, and this other guy who uh, Joel Dean. Uh, sorry, Giorgio De Luca was the the cheese merchant. Joel Dean was a publishing business manager. They opened the first one so in like 1977 in Soho, but it was not at this specific location. It was at the corner of Prince and Green Street. And then um in 88, they moved the flagship location to where. I was yesterday. And they have other locations that are both full markets and cafes in New York, Napa Valley, California, Washington, D.C., Tokyo, Seoul, South Korea, Bangkok, Dubai, Kuwait, Bahrain, Makati, and Manila, Singapore, Kuala Lumpur, and Macau. So, this is a global organization. Somehow they're headquartered in Wichita, Kansas. But... Uh, I guess I guess there's a ubiquitous appeal globally for this kind of thing where, you know, it's... I don't know that I would categorize it as a full grocery store, more of a, a market slash specialty foods. And I guess through, through that standard, they do accomplish what they're setting out to do. I think they're trying to be an expensive store with, you know, high-quality stuff. I knock, I knock them down a bit for um, not having anybody at that sushi stand, and also for what I would consider to be some predatory prices. I, I mean, I guess if you can, if if there's a sucker willing to pay $38 for one of them pre-made quiches, I shouldn't say sucker. It's, if you want to buy it, that's fine. I don't, I can't detach my personal feelings from it, so I take points off for, you know, some of this overpriced stuff when I think you could just either make it yourself or find a let, you could get a pre-made one that isn't as, isn't as, uh, you know, expensive. Or maybe that is a reasonable, reasonable price for a, you know, goddamn pre-made quiche. I wouldn't know. Um, so between, between the no sushi Person and uh, certain th- things like you know there could have been more of these marzipan animals. <laughs> Here I am de- decrying this establishment for uh, a thirty-eight dollar, you know, pre-made quiche, and then I'm am about to you know dock them points for not having enough marzipan animals at at the hour of the day that I was there. This uh, the Dean and DeLuca's is dragging the contradictions out of me and f- uh for that and for the inner turmoil that it has caused me I'm giving them a B plus uh, David Bowie liked it if it was good enough for David Bowie it's probably good enough for me <sighs> uh you know it 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 has a place in pop culture uh you know I I according to the internet uh what does it say here so in the TV show Felicity, uh, the, the the titular Felicity worked at a Dean and DeLuca while attending college. In the movie Hannibal, uh, Hannibal Lecter is seen to eat from a Dean and DeLuca travel pack containing foie gras, beluga caviar, figs, and fried brains. Sounds on brand for old Hannibal Lecter. Uh, the character of Patrick Bateman in American Psycho refers to Italian seasoning salt picked up from Dean and DeLuca. Uh... Christian Bale, by the way, he's going through another one of these body transformations to play Dick Cheney, and should we be concerned for him at this point? Um, It's uh, physically impressive how he's, you know, gone from being, you know, machinist, thin to, you know, Batman, and then he's back down for, what was it, The Fighter? Where he played, uh, like, a meth head or something like that? It's, It's impressive, but I can't imagine it's healthy. And, uh... I I I feel like I would not be surprised if like a solid you know fifteen years are knocked off of Christian Bale's life just for for doing for going back and forth with the weight and stuff. Um, so uh, Christian, we we want we want you to stick around. You don't need to. You don't need to put yourself in such such danger. We get it. You know you you're you're you're, you're a good actor. We we understand. Uh, oh, and then this last bit of trivia: in the movie *The Devil Wears Prada*, Andy's boyfriend refers to purchasing groceries from Dean and DeLuca after Andy told him that she quit her job. Um, I haven't seen *Devil Wears Prada*, and I know it to be a, a, a very good film. Um, love me some Meryl. Uh, so I'll put I'll put that on my my homework list. So anyway, yeah, B B plus for Dean and DeLuca. I I I don't know. I just don't know. Maybe maybe I'm full of shit. And uh, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll revisit it and, you know, figure it out. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm confused. Anyway, so that, that was Dean and DeLuca. I've been doing a lot of these solo episodes lately, uh, everybody. And just want you to know that I am, I'm working out some stuff to, you know, scheduling-wise to get some more guests in here. I'm heading home for Thanksgiving, and I plan on uh, getting some stuff in the can with the family when I'm, when I'm there. So uh, we have that to look forward to. Uh, anyway, uh, happy shopping! Thanks for listening. Uh, feel pl- please feel free to subscribe, rate, review, recommend it to your friends, and if you're at any of these businesses that I've mentioned, uh, you know would love to would love to chat. Okay, bye.